Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Merry Christmas. Try it again. Merry Christmas, everyone. Want to welcome you here in the sanctuary and those of you worshiping with us online. And uh, this morning's message is going to be dealing with the Magi and joy. The Magi and joy. Joy is the Advent focus for this week. Every time I preach or lead a discussion on Christmas, I tend to start out the exact same way. Bear with me if you've heard this before. Only two of the Gospels mention the Nativity. Matthew's Gospel gives us the perspective of Joseph. Luke's Gospel gives us the perspective of Mary. What's interesting to note, only two Gospels mention Christmas, but all four, up to half of the Gospel, focuses on Easter. I'm not saying that Christmas is irrelevant, but if you were to look in our culture, you'd think Christmas is the point. It's important for me to say this. You would have never, ever, ever heard of Christmas if it had not been that Easter is true. Easter is the point of the Christian faith. So with that said, not negating the importance of Christmas, again this morning we are taking a look at one of the two stories, one of two of the nativity stories that gives us the birth of Jesus What we're going to do this morning is we're going to take a look at the Magi and King Herod. This passage we're getting ready to read is actually immediately after Jesus is born. Our reading is from Matthew chapter 2, and I'm going to read it out loud if you would follow along with me. Here's what the text says in the Gospel of Matthew. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of... King Herod, remember him, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who is born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. There's our joy. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not 
to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, get up and take the child, his mother and, and his mother, and escape to Egypt. Stay there, and I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. Just so you know, Herod the Great is the one that is around when Jesus is born. Herod Antipas is the, the Roman emperor that's over the area when Jesus is executed. Two different Herods. Reading on. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are... No more. I don't know if you noticed a mood shift in what we just read. It was phenomenally dramatic. It begins with joy and ends with grieving and sorrow. One of the things I love about the Bible, it is true about life. Life is filled with joys and sorrows. So is the Bible. I love that. But this morning, our Advent topic is joy. And here's what the text tells us. When they, meaning the Magi, saw the star, they were what? Overjoyed. Now, what I want to do just for a moment is talk to you about who the Magi might have been. No one knows for sure. But there are two primary theories about the Magi. The first one is that they had come from modern-day Iran in the Persian Empire. And one of the reasons why extra-biblical historians believe this might be true is that in the book of Daniel, in the Older Testament, we are told that the Israelite people are captured by the Babylonian Empire. They are t many are killed, but many are taken captive into that area. And so biblical theorists and historians believe that the Magi came from the area of Persian, modern-day Iran, because there was a Jewish heritage there from the Babylonian captivity. There's another theory. The other theory is the one that I tend to hold to. The other theory is, is that they are what are a group of people called the Nabataeans, the Nabataeans are a group that you actually know about, whether you know it or not. Have you ever seen one of the seven wonders of the world called Petra? Have you ever seen it? It's the treasury in Jordan in a valley that's about two miles long. I've been there a couple of times. And the treasury in Petra is mind-blowing to see. Now, if you've ever watched the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you are somewhat familiar with the treasury in Petra. Now, with that said, the Nabataean people are phenomenally wealthy at the time of Herod. And the reason why is they own all of the trade routes between the Roman Empire and the Orient. 
So everything that travels from distant Asia and the Orient that's pouring into the Roman Empire, the Nabataeans own all of the trade routes. They're also people who traverse the deserts at night by watching the planets and the stars. Here's another thing. Herod the Great, the Herod we just read about, his mother was a Nabataean princess. This explains why he's able to call on them secretly and inquire of them secretly when the star had appeared. No matter where they're from, what we know is, though, is that there's this entourage, probably extremely large, that moves into Jerusalem, and this entourage begins to ask people, where's the king of the Jews born? Which for Herod, who's king of the Jews... That presents a problem because if you're the king and someone shows up in your kingdom and begins to say, we're looking for the true king, again, I'm not the smartest dude. That's a problem. Now, what we notice in our story is that these magi come to Jerusalem and they're following a star. The text teaches us through Herod's questioning that they have been watching this star for two years. Doesn't say they've traveled for two years. It says they've observed this star appeared for approximately two years. And the text tells us that when they actually come to Bethlehem and the star stops over where the child is, they see the star and they were overjoyed. They're absolutely ecstatic. Now, I'm not intending for any of us to learn Greek this morning. But what I wanted to show you is how Matthew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is trying to communicate as best he can about the drama, the exactness, the exceeding joy that is explained. In Greek, it reads this way. Akaresen, Quran, Magalen, Sfroda. Now, again, I don't expect you to remember any of that. But I want you to notice that you can see the word Quran, which is joy. You can actually see that in the first word. Can you see it? So in Greek, words live in families. They can be nouns and verbs, depending on the endings. So what Matthew writes is, You've got in the text, you've got ekaresen, which is they rejoice, that's the verb, but joy is in the verb. You catch that? So it's like they are joying joy. You catch that? Then as you go in, megalin, which yes, in English is where we get the word mega from. So you've got megalin, and that governs the noun. So what you then have is You've got mega joy, and then sphroda is the adverb, and it governs the verb. So what I'm just trying to tell you is, Matthew is trying to explain to you there's joy, joy, and more joy. Does this make sense to us? Great joy. Thank you very much. Now, what's interesting to note is it says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. It's really interesting. 
As a matter of fact, if you read the story we just read, the most repeated word is the word star. Matthew is trying to hint to you, if you know how to read Scripture, that the star is the point, never negating Jesus. But in his account of the identification of Jesus by the Magi, he repeats the word star over and over and over again. Now, what I want to talk to us about next, I think is extremely important for you to understand why God did what God did. It's extremely important. I'm also aware for the next couple of minutes, some of you may go, this feels more like a history lesson than it does scripture, but please bear with me. Because I think in it is buried the passion, love, grace, and mercy of God. I really do. Now, in reading the Gospel of Matthew, the word star is repeated over and over. Our story begins with a group of magi. I think Nabataeans following a star. And they end up in Jerusalem and they have this encounter with King Herod. Now let's talk about Herod. Herod is half Jew, half Nabataean. Herod received his kingship from Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus is the king we're introduced to in Luke's account of the nativity. In this account of the nativity, we're introduced to King Herod. Caesar Augustus is the emperor of all of Rome. King Herod, Herod the Great. Could you imagine naming yourself Herod the Great? We're going to get to that in a moment. But what we find is, and you can look all of this up in all-knowing Wikipedia, Herod the Great receives his kingship because of his political savvy, the assassination of his opponents, the murder of his two sons, and the killing of his wife, Miriam. He's a nice guy. Needless to say. But what he does is, through political savvy, he kind of butters up Caesar Augustus and gets the kingship over all of Israel. Now, here's what's interesting to note. Caesar Augustus got his authority the following way. He had been adopted by a guy by the name of Julius Caesar. By the way, twice a year, you and I celebrate Julius Caesar and Caesar Augustus. The month of July and the month of August are named after these two. So you know more about them than you think. Or maybe you don't. Julius Caesar is assassinated in the Senate. Sometime later, his adopted great-nephew, who's now his son, Caesar Augustus, follow this, Julius Caesar adopts his great-nephew named Octavian. His name is changed to Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus now throws a huge celebration and commemoration of his adoptive father, Julius Caesar. And very opportunistically, suddenly a comet appears in the sky. And it's visible the entire week during the day. By the way, this is also noted by astronomers in China. They record the same comet. You can look this up in Wikipedia. It's called the Julian Star or Caesar's Comet. 
It appears during the day, you can literally see it. And so what Caesar Augustus does is he goes public and says, oh, look, the gods are making my dad a god. That's what this is. And oh, by the way, all of Rome buys it. So that makes Caesar Augustus the son of God. Now, you're going to see some coins right here. All of the coins that have Julius Caesar's face on it have a star. Because Rome believed that was him being deified and being made a god by the gods. So picture this. Caesar Augustus received his authority because a star appeared announcing that his adoptive father was God. Herod the Great received his authority from Caesar Augustus. Do you catch all this? Now, that is not just for the sake of history. It's because God is responding uh, out of his love and his grace and his mercy in a culture where a star has been used to announce the deification of a king. Got to catch that. Now, here's another thing we need to know about Herod. What you're going to see behind me is a picture of what's called the Herodium. The Herodium is a mountain that King Herod, who is phenomenally wealthy by taxing the Jews, but also because when his mom, the queen of Nabataean, dies, he inherits all the trade routes. He is unbelievably rich. And he commissions the building of this mountain. There was a small hill here, but he actually had the mountain built and turned it into a fortress and a palace. King Herod builds five of these during his kingship. He is phenomenally paranoid, and he wants a palace at every exit point if he ever has to tuck tail and run out of Israel. He literally has a palace and a fortress in every direction that he might escape by. This is known as the Herodium. At the top of it was an amazing palace that archaeologists will tell you is so ornate and expensive to build, it blows their minds. Josephus called it the mountain of pleasure. That's what it was called. Just so you know, that view, the first one that was put up there, is the view from Bethlehem. It's literally overshadowing where Jesus is born. So picture this. What you have is, You've got Herod in Jerusalem. The Magi show up and say, the king of the Jews has been born. His Bible scholars come to him with passages of Scripture and tell him biblically about what's happening. Herod had a three-and-a-half-day walk from Jerusalem to go and visit Jesus himself. Also, he has a palace that he could have stayed in that overlooks Bethlehem. But what's stunning to know is he never goes for himself. You see, what we find is angels have now traveled from heaven to earth, according to Luke. Shepherds have made a very brief walk to go visit the child. 
Magi have been on a two-year journey of observing this body and discerning when to go, when to travel. And when they get there, they go right under Herod's nose and go to worship Jesus, the only character in all of the Bible that doesn't go to see for himself is Herod. He actually sends the Magi. He knows full well what this means because he even says to the Magi, I too am going to go and worship him. But we know the story. And we pick up the reading again just to remind ourselves. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Why were they disturbed? Because every time someone gets in Herod's way, he kills people. So all of Jerusalem now is upset. They've seen the entourage come in, this large entourage. By the way, it's important to say, the Bible never says there are three kings. The Bible says there's three gifts. It never mentions three kings or three magi. Reading on it says, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where's the Messiah to be born? He's half Jew. He knows. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Reading on, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. What we find in the scriptures is the love, the grace, and the mercy of God being extended by God to the entire Roman Empire, but I believe specifically to Herod. Herod had received all of who and what he was because a star, a star had been seen, a comet had been seen in the heavens and Julius Caesar had been deified as a god. Caesar Augustus now calls himself the son of God and he's the one that appointed Herod the Great to be king over Israel and God is shouting, even screaming to Herod into the Roman Empire saying this, if this is how you identify kings, I by my grace, love, and mercy am going to send a star to you as well so you can find the true king that's been born into this world. God loves us. God speaks to us in ways that we can hear and we can understand. Yet the text is clear. Herod never goes. In fact, he makes a move to kill the Christ child. I want you to picture this again. Luke's gospel is clear that Jesus is born in a manger like an impoverished shepherd's child. And right there, right on the horizon, is the wealthiest palace that Herod, the king of the Jews, had ever built. I want you to understand what God is saying. Here his son is born within the shadow of Herod's most ornate, expensive palace. 
Herod could have gone, stayed in his palace, and walked less than an hour to come and meet God's king. He never does. He never goes. He sends others, but he himself never goes. Would you stand with me as we move towards communion? How do we put feet to our faith with this message? Here's what the old Christmas hymn says. Angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight o'er all the earth. Ye who sang creation's story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn king. Shepherds in the field abiding, watching o'er your flocks by night. God with us is now presiding. Yonder shines the infant light. Come and worship, come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king. Sages, leave your contemplations. Brighter visions beam afar. Seek the great desire of nations. Ye have seen his natal star. Come and worship, come and worship. Worship Christ the newborn king. It's interesting to note that historians tell us that Herod was buried in that palace that overlooked Bethlehem. In his will, he had an edict, and that is that a group of noblemen would be brought to his palace and killed on the day of his death because he knew there would be no grieving anywhere in Israel the day he died. So he had pre-planned the murder of hundreds of noblemen so there would be grieving in Israel when he died. Historians tell us his family refused to do that after his death. But isn't it stunning to think that he was buried in that palace overlooking the exact spot where the true king was born. And he never, ever went to meet him. Jesus' death brought joy, peace, and forgiveness. Herod's death was supposed to have brought huge death and huge grieving and huge sorrow in Israel. In this story, we are confronted again with the birth of Jesus. As we prepare to take communion together, can we take a moment to close our eyes in God's presence? If you could take out the bread and hold it. What would you do with Jesus? What will you do with him? The truth of it is, everyone has to come for themselves. You can't send others. It's about you and the birth of the true king and Christmas.
The Magi came and opened their treasure. And they worshiped. And they had true joy. Would you be like them? Would you come and acknowledge the kingship of Jesus? Let's hold the bread before the Lord. The text teaches us that we are to examine our hearts before we eat the bread. We invite everyone who's here in the sanctuary and online to participate with us in communion. But let's take a moment, as the scripture says, to examine our hearts and see if there's anything we need to confess and repent of before we eat together. The Bible says that on the night when Christ was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat. Let's eat together. Let's take out the cup. hold the cup up before the Lord. Corinthians goes on to say, at the end of the meal, Jesus took the cup. And after having blessed it, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And the scripture says, for as long as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns as king. Jesus, thank you for your broken body and for your shed blood. Let's drink together. As we prepare our hearts for worship, can we again close our eyes just for a moment? I don't know where you're at in your journey of faith. But I believe with all of my heart that God is calling some of us, some of us online, some here in the sanctuary, to come and see for ourselves for the very first time. Or maybe you have wandered away. God is calling you to return. But would you, as we worship together, put feet to your faith and come and worship him as king? I would beg you, even challenge you not to be Herod, but instead humble yourself and find what the Magi found, and that is incredible joy because of the birth, the incarnation, God stepping into the world, and the Word becoming flesh. We're going to take just a moment to worship together. Maybe you sense the call of God to where you might want to come forward and kneel. To physically move and to come forward and to come before Jesus. If you feel the need to do that, please feel free. But could we one more time take a moment to worship him 
the true king.